This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. What is the Holy Spirit? But the whole, the whole heart behind all of the conversation that I take place is wanting more. Because if we can ever have the understanding of who God really is, even the person of the Holy Spirit, and we understand that there's so much more for us, then it makes all of this worthwhile and it makes it successful. We want more. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I want to ask you to commit with me for these next four weeks leading up to the day celebrated as Pentecost Sunday. That if nothing else, maybe it's different for you that. Maybe I'm not as excited as normal, or maybe it's a different style, or maybe I get more excited. I don't know. Maybe it's overly simplified and it's elementary for some of you. That's okay, too. I want to ask you that when I pray in just a moment that you would make a commitment to God that throughout these next four weeks, if nothing else, you would seek more of Him, that you would declare you want more, that you have a little patience with me, have a little, have a little grace, stay with me, tune in, lean in. And just determine in your heart and make a commitment between you and God that at the end of this four weeks, you will have more and you will have sought more of Him. Let's pray together. Father, I love you, Lord. I thank you for this place you've brought us to. God, I thank you for this time, this season. I thank you that it's all on purpose. Lord, you knew exactly who would be here today. You knew exactly who would not be here today. You knew what would have got us to this point. You knew that we would have been at a place last week where we discussed your true love for us and the love that you've called us to love people with. God, to lead us to this place that we're at today. God, and I pray that as we explore this thought, as we explore and Bring some depth to our personal theology. Bring some depth to our personal understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and the who, the why, the how of what is the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would bless the efforts that are put forth on our part as we make a commitment and a covenant with you that we want more of you, that regardless of whether we understand everything that's said, Lord, whether we follow everything that's, that's communicated, God, Lord, that somehow, some way, throughout all of this, we remain focused on we want more. That be the driving force on our heart for the next four weeks when we walk through these doors that we want more. God, and I believe as we come in with that simple purpose, Lord, you'll open our minds to new understanding. You'll open our hearts to new revelation. 
and you'll give us more. God, I pray you bless your people. Lord, that I simply be a vessel today delivering your word. God, and that our ears and our hearts would be open to what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. And our fellas in the back, because y'all are awesome. Brother Carter and Brother Tommy doing an awesome job. I just want you to know, some of these songs you ain't never heard before, and unless Carter was on top of his game, feeding you the words, you wouldn't have had a clue what they were this morning. Amen? And you think it's easy, and any day that you'd like to try, except on a Sunday morning, I'd be happy to let you step back there and let them come up here and play that song, and you see if you can keep up. Because your pastor struggles. The Holy Spirit, Pentecost. I want to tell you, first of all, my heart for taking the time, taking these four weeks, and maybe simplifying and doing my best to make sure there's an understanding. It's challenging to me because it's never... The Holy Spirit is not a, an easy person to understand, and we'll get to that in a minute. It's not an easy concept to grasp. All of my life growing up, I grew up in a church of God, in a Pentecostal church. I remember the night that I was called out, and the night that the pastor looked at me and called me to the front. I was sitting back where Brother Tim was. I was cutting up. I was goofing off. And he called me up. He said, Mitchell, get up here, boy. I come up and I sit on stage and you lift your hands up, son. And he prayed over me and then he looked down on me because he's this really, really big dude. And he said, son, God's going to do great things for you. And he's going to do great things through you. I couldn't have been but seven or eight years old, Maybe. But that was also the same night that he jumped up on the pew and he stood there and he jumped up and down and he was excited. It was a Sunday night. And I remember those times. I remember services where we'd have people get all excited and they would be overjoyed and people that you had no idea could move quite like they could move, could jump up and down and run around a church. It's like how you tiptoeing out the door, can't hardly move, but when the Spirit hits you, you're running laps, right? Remember those moments. I've been in many services where all of a sudden things would get really, really quiet. And there'd be one person that would be speaking a language that was completely unheard of, some foreign, no idea, sound like gibberish. And then in just a moment, somebody else, the minister, somebody else would boldly, in English, tell you what had been said. And I've, I've seen people in services, as a minister would lay their hand on somebody or different things, they would fall on the floor and appear to be knocked out and 
Some of them rolling around and I'm talking as a child, that's scary, right? I'm not making light of any of it. I'm not, I believe it was 100% authentic and real. Some of it is emotionalism that's built up. But I'm not questioning anything that I witnessed. I'm telling you my heart. And so as a child and as a teenager, I was saved and I was in church and I was doing my best to do the work of the Lord and all through high school, I was leading worship, and I knew that God had a call on my life. I knew there was something I was supposed to do. I had influence. I could get people to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do. I could get them to hush and listen to me talk for just a minute. Not much more than a minute, but they would hush and listen. And I kept getting pushed. Son, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. As a child and as a teenager growing up, I saw something that appeared to be violent, that appeared to be people out of control, that appear, I, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I'm a little, little bit OCD in certain things, and there's certain things I don't want to let go of. Myself is one of them. The only drop of alcohol I've ever had in my life was one night we cooked some beer can chicken, and I said, that really smells like, I'm not going to tell you what it smelled like. I had horses my whole life, and when they relieve themselves, it has a very distinct smell, and to me, beer smells just like it. I said, I've got to know if this tastes like it smells. And so that one sip, that one time we cooked beer can chicken is the only sip of alcohol I've ever had because I would not lose control of Mitchell. I will not allow myself to receive what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I was not losing control. Terrified, scared to death of the Holy Spirit. This, this crazy thought process for me was like it was this crazy force of God, this crazy power, this energy of God that would be released down, and all of a sudden when that power, that force, almost like a, a superhero movie or something, when it hit you, when it came to you, and you were, you were hit by that Holy Spirit, that you lost all control, something crazy happened, and, and it was great for these people, but I wanted nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until later, I'm, I'm 21 years old before I ever really understand been raised in church and it takes till I'm 21 years old raised in a Pentecostal church who claims to operate in the giftings and the ministry of the Holy Spirit but I'm 21 years old before I ever understand truly deeply that if I would seek the Holy Spirit that something special would happen and it wasn't this crazy force that was going to come down and slap me off my feet. And it wasn't something that was going to make me lose control. It wasn't something that was going to do this crazy stuff to me. But it, it was, I was 21 before I ever really realized that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity of God. And there's a ministry that that person of the Trinity of God has for me. And there's a work and a relationship that I can have with the Holy Spirit. I don't have to lay down and roll in the floor. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not me. I do get excited enough sometimes that I could run up and down and run around the church, but it's just because I love Jesus. 
For me, it's more of when I, I'm, I know that, that the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I break down and cry. I'll be riding on the road and tears rolling down my face. And, but I was 21 years old before I ever understood that I did not have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. That's sad, family. It is sad that I was raised, in, and it's nothing against the church. It's just, it's against the church as a whole, the Pentecostal body as a whole, that we've created something. We've created this misconception. We've created this thing. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Ghost. Well, sure. I hope you're going to hang with me, and you want more, and by the end of this thing, you'll say, I really do need the Holy Spirit in my life, and I really want more of the Holy Spirit. But the heart behind these next four weeks is I made up my mind when I did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I would do my very, very best to never let anybody sit under a ministry that I was head of and be misinformed or be afraid of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I posted a question last night on Facebook. It was something along the lines of, why do people, why do Christians not operate in the power or within the relationship of the Holy Spirit? Is it fear, misunderstanding, a lack of faith? And there wasn't a slew of answers that come in, but Every one of them revolved around misinformation. And so my goal over the next four years, the next four years, the next four weeks, it may be four years, I don't know, Lord, move in us. If that's how long it takes, I'll preach the same four sermons for the next four years. My goal over the next four weeks is that this be clear. You may leave fuzzy today. But if you come back next week, I hope that there's some kind of clarity. I know many of you have been raised in the Pentecostal church. You've been raised in this church, been raised in the church of God, maybe a sister denomination. We all believe the same way for the most part. But I know me. And I know for 21 years, more specifically up until the last five years, I was never really taught and never had an understanding of what the Holy Spirit and a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit could do for me. And so my goal is, is that when we finish this up, you have a better understanding and can make an informed decision for yourself whether you really want more or not. I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. You know this passage of Scripture, but I want to read it to you. I want us to break it down just a little bit. This is Paul writing to his protege, to young Timothy. And he's encouraging him. He's trying to lift him up. And he gets to this place, and it says, Hey, Timothy, for God has not given us 
a spirit of fear. So that tells me just in that statement right there, all of the fear that I had of the Holy Spirit was not of God. Okay? Any, if fear ever exists about anything to do with the ministry of God, it is not of God. Now, I'm not talking about faith leaps. I watched a video yesterday that Steve Harvey had he, he made, and it was talking about the jump. To have anything in life, you've got to jump. You're going to stand on the cliff, and you've you got a decision to make, and to, to move in what God has for you, you've got to jump. People are flying by us all the time, and they're soaring through the sky, and their parachutes are open. But somewhere along the line, they had to jump. And in order for your parachute to open, you actually have to be flying. There's a point where there's some free fall before the parachute opens, and you actually soar. I'm not talking about the nervousness and the fear within that. I'm talking about the fear where you're afraid of what God is doing. You're afraid of a move of God. You're afraid of anything, any kind of force that is against us. That fear does not come from God. And he says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of, which tells me that I really wish that the English language would have allowed them to say, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but instead, he gave us the spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. It's a real fancy way that it's worded, but that's what should be there. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, well, but of what? A spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. See, the Holy Spirit can be seen back to Genesis 1. Because in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. So there's not just this supernatural power that comes down in these exciting church services and and strikes somebody, and it's like, boom, something happens. There's so much more. I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit did not begin when the Pentecostal movement started in the Pentecostal churches years ago. The Holy Spirit did not even come into play in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when it says the Holy Spirit came when they were all in one place in one accord. The Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire, it was the sound of a, a rushing mighty wind. And then as the sound filled the place, it says that tongues of fire come and sat down on each one of them. There was fire literally in the house. That wasn't the first day that the Holy Spirit came about. In the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, in the, well, I don't even know when in the beginning was. There's no time stamp we could ever begin to put on that. That tells me that forever ago, when God the Father existed, the Holy Spirit existed with him. You with me? And I can also tell you, if you read the, the Gospel of John and you start in chapter 1, in the beginning was the, was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and all things were created through the Word, and all things were created for Him and by Him. And then it talks about the Word becoming flesh and coming to earth. The Word that John's writing about is Jesus. So in the very beginning of creation, at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God the Father said, boom, let there be light, Holy Spirit was there. Jesus was right there. You with me? From the very beginning, they were together. We baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy for us to have a prayer to pray to the Father. 
We see God as, as the Father of creation, the, the God of all creation. He created everything. We see the physical body of Jesus, the, the life he lived where he came to earth and he walked the earth and he, he literally lived for, for 33 years and he died on a cross that you and I would be able to be free. But so many times we don't tap into the third person of what we as a church believe is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some force of God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not a force of God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I didn't understand this for a long time, and now that I do, it kind of aggravates me just a little bit, and I'll correct somebody with love and explanation. But the Holy Spirit's not an it. You can't say, oh, I received the Holy Spirit, it came down. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit is a person of God. You refer to God as He, He the Creator, God the Father, the Creator. So now Holy Spirit is a person of God, one of the three, of the one, and He is a person of God. So where we fail at so often is we have an open relationship with God the Father because of Jesus Christ. And so we'll have a relation, we'll pray, I've prayed all morning to God the Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. But we never tap into this whole third person of God. So that tells me, and just have a little grace with me through this. If God the Father is three in one and I'm only having a relationship with two of the three in one, I'm missing on a whole, I'm missing out on a whole third of what God has for me. That's simple math. And sure, they're three in one, so there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit's at work within your life. But if I'm active in a relationship with God the Father and I'm actively calling on Jesus, I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus, I'm actively calling on the two of them, but I never reach out to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm only operating in two-thirds of the fullness that God's got for me. Right? So Paul said that God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But instead, he's given you a spirit of power. Why, why do we need a spirit of power? We live in a culture where everybody wants power. Right? If you're complacent at your job and you're not looking for power there, you're looking for power somewhere else. Everybody wants power. We all want the authority. Men, you want a car that goes faster. If you don't want one that goes faster, you want one that will get you more places. My Jeep don't go fast, but it will take me where your sports car will not. We're looking for authority. So knowing that God gives us the spirit of power, why is it that we don't tap into the power? But the power to do what? He doesn't give us a spirit of power so that we raise up above everybody else and I get to stand and, and be above you. 
I preach from the floor so often because I'm just one of you. He gives us the spirit of power so that we can overcome. We're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And both of those happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's given us a spirit of power so that we can overcome every obstacle, every situation, every emotion that ever floods our life. But he also gives us a spirit of love. The word love in this language, when Paul is talking to Timothy, he said he's given you a spirit of agape. The word spirit, by the way, is the same word that was used as the spirit of God. He says he's given you the spirit of agape. That's the love we talked about last week. Where to understand truly what it means to love people, to understand exactly what it means for God to love us the way he loves us, a love that's patient and kind and suffers long and, and does, keeps no record of wrongs, that kind of love. God has given us a spirit to love people with that kind of love. And without tapping into that third realm of the relationship with God, we end up in, in situations where we can't overcome on our own. We can have a bad week. I don't know if you've been challenged with trying to love people this week, but wouldn't God do that? And the only way we make it through, if you're doing it by the hair of your chinny chin chin, good for you. But you can do it with power and authority in love happen into this other realm. But then he also gave us the spirit of a sound mind. Look at the original language when Paul's talking to Timothy. I love the Bible. And I love that I have it translated in English because I sure don't know Greek and Hebrew. Amen. But I don't take it at face value in English. It wasn't written in English. As a matter of fact, that was a very broken translation the first time it was translated to English. Another story for another day. I do my very, very best to dig down to the original, to find translations that are word for word. Sure, I preach out of a New Living Translation a lot. That's a thought for thought because I believe it captures a heart. But if I ever do that, you know as your pastor that I have done my research thoroughly, and I promise you that there's nothing lost in translation to the very best of my ability to find. But he says he's given you a spirit of a sound mind. Well, a sound mind sounds like, well, you can make good judgment. You're low, cool as a cucumber, level-headed. That would be great if that's all that the Holy Spirit gave me and given me a sound mind. But when you dig down to the original word, it actually should say he's given you a spirit of self-control. And so he's giving me a spirit of self-control over my thoughts. I can be cool and calm and collected. I can be level-headed because I have a spirit of self-control. Self-control is one of the gifts that should be seen that's evident in people's life that are living by the Holy Spirit. It's fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. 
But that tells me by the power and the authority and even the love of the Holy Spirit now, I can take capture the thoughts that would come to my mind. Maybe your mind don't work like mine does, but I got some pretty rough thoughts that run through it occasionally. Right? Like that woman that takes 20 minutes to give me my McDonald's. Right? We talked about it last week. You've got an opportunity. What does your love look like in that situation? I got 20 minutes to sit there and let my brain wonder and ponder, how am I going to respond? Or maybe I've been hurt deep, stabbed in the back by somebody that's supposed to love me. And my brain begins to to work and the flesh rises up in me and my mind starts to, to rumble and tremble and I start having all these thoughts roll up. What happens if those thoughts make it to my heart and then out of my heart become my actions? The Holy Spirit gives us the authority to operate in self-control to have a sound mind. Not only to capture the thoughts, but to create thoughts. There are days... When I'm so just aggravated, my heart's not smiling and joyous and happy, that my brain has to say, dude, suck it up. My brain has to remind me who I am, what I was created for, who created me, the love that was poured out over me. And as I begin to put those thoughts in my mind, and I begin to allow myself to control the thoughts that are processing up here, it begins to sink back down in here, and my actions then reflect what they're supposed to reflect. You with me? But none of this works the way that it's supposed to if we're not operating in companionship with the third person of God. And that's deep. That's a hard concept. The Trinity in itself is a hard concept. Best way I know how to explain it is you take an egg, you crack it and separate it, you put the egg in, the the shell in a bowl, the egg white in a bowl, the yolk in a bowl. How many eggs you got? How many? One egg. How many parts of an egg do I have? But it's still one egg. Right? Right? The egg white and the yolk would be useless without the shell, right? Cracking an egg and it having nothing but the white in it would be really weird and useless without the yolk, right? Cracking an egg and it being full of yolk would be disgusting because it's powdery and dry and nasty. Nothing about God is powdery, dry, and nasty. I'm just saying. The three of them come together to make one, right? We need the Holy Spirit in our life. And we're going to go deeper. And if you've asked Christ into your life, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your life. I could never, ever sit here and tell you that you don't, because you do. And so many of the failures and the misinformation, I believe, came from a thought 
that if you didn't have some knockdown drag out, crying emotional moment in an altar, that you didn't have the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't believe it was ever intentional, but it was inaccurate. But I am telling you that that's not all. And we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to look at the church of Acts. And I'm going to show you the point where they were saved. And the Holy Spirit entered into their life. And they then were filled with the Spirit of God. But then I'm going to show you another point where they were baptized by the Spirit. It was two separate instances. So you have the Holy Spirit operating in your life. But why not want more? Why not want more? I want to read this to you. I'm just going to leave you with it. This is Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It literally means that they had one mind, one thought process, one purpose, one heart. They had gathered in the upper room where they were staying, and they were doing their best to seek God. They wanted more. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I believe I'm a worshiper. And I believe that the Holy Spirit operating in the fullness of somebody's life is not a quiet thing. If I'm working and the Holy Spirit is in relationship with me and I'm, I'm actively working somehow, shape, or form in all three of those realms with Father God, Son, and Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit moves, it's not quiet. The sound of a rushing mighty wind filled the house when the Holy Spirit entered into that place. Right? And if the Holy Spirit is operating inside of me and I'm full of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's dwelling in me, maybe I've not received a baptism regardless. If I'm acting and I'm walking in this life that Christ has given me, there should be nothing quiet about my worship. And it says this, there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Fire is always present with the Spirit. It's hot. It burns hot. I was, I was, we were in a campground this weekend, and we did not have a fire. I was really jealous of my babies because they roasted Carolina Brightleaf hot dogs on a fire Friday night. And I did not. I was in here with the fire at the gathering. When the Holy Spirit's operating in our life and we're in constant communication and we're allowing him to work, move, and flow in every area of our life, first of all, we're going to radiate some heat. We're going to radiate some light. And people are going to want to come get close. See, where it got so crazy for me, where the coming of the Holy Spirit and even the way that the Pentecostal church believes, 
And I, I may say it sarcastically, but I'm right. I'm, I believe it wholeheartedly. I just want us to be under, informed and understand. It was all about, it was all about verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Family, there's a beautiful prayer language that's so powerful that comes by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But you do not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. I was completely misinformed. I had this misbelief that I was seeking speaking another language. That's completely incorrect. Because if God is three in one and there's three persons of the Trinity, I'm not seeking some other language. I'm not speaking God to give the utterance so that I can speak a language that nobody understands. I'm seeking God himself. Right? Sure. You know me enough already that I, I believe wholeheartedly that God's given a prayer language that comes with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about it later. The next four weeks, don't miss them. But we're not seeking tongues. Because you miss, listen to the heart. Because when they begin to speak in other tongues, it says in verse 5, and there were Jews, or there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, talking about the tongues, the sound of the rushing wind, and now they're speaking in all these different languages, it says that the multitude came together. First of all, when there's a move of the Holy Spirit, people come. If we would each individually allow God to move in our life the way that God wants to move and we really want more of him and the Holy Spirit would begin, would begin to use each one of us, people would naturally come to this house. Because when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the multitudes gathered together. And it says that they were confused. But you see, that's another one of those English words that I don't believe is accurate. Because when you dig down deep, they were more so confounded. They were mind blown. It wasn't, when I get confused, I get aggravated and frustrated, and I can't figure something out. I, my confusion is not a, a happy state. I don't believe that they were confused like, I don't want nothing to do with that. I believe that they were mind blown by the fact that all of these people could understand and hear a message of God in their language. The heart of God giving these tongues at that point in time wasn't so that the people, the, the 120 there gathered in the room had something special. It was to deliver the gospel to people that they couldn't have otherwise. On that day, so many people came to the church. The tongues did nothing for that 120 people that day. The tongues were a ministry method to deliver the gospel. Because when the Holy Spirit fills us in a way that we've never experienced before, new methods come about in our life, and we're able to communicate in ways we've never been able to communicate before, and people see Jesus in a way they've never seen him. I could not stand here and talk to you without stuttering all over my words until the day that I received the baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's special. There's all these people, and you can read about it up through verse 11. It ends ended up with Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own languages, the wonderful works of God. 
their confusion was not a confusion like we would see because their confusion actually did not lead to dysfunction. But the, the confoundment, the mind-blowing state they were in led to them realizing the wonderful works of God. They actually thought they were drunk. But see, here's Peter. The guy that is the misfit. The emotional dude. He's just been filled with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he stands up with the 11 and he raises his voice. And he begins to deliver a message of the gospel. He began to quote the prophet Joel. He said, and it shall come to pass the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see dreams. Your old men shall see dreams. Young men see visions, old men see dreams, and on my men's servants and my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth beneath. Blood, fire, vapor, and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Family. That was a long time ago. But Peter said that was the last days. And we're still here. Therefore, the last day hasn't happened yet. So we're still in the last day. Right? You agree? So why are we not seeking more of him to the point that he's pouring out his spirit on us? I don't know about you, but I want to see mind-blowing visions. I want to see signs and wonders. I've seen them. I have. I've seen physical bodies healed. I've seen God move. And my aunt, by the way, that had the, she had meningitis. Even after she came out of the hospital, she had a, a drainage leak from her brain. She went to a doctor a while back, and they could not make drainage come out of her head. That hole has been healed up. The doctor said, ah, you, you're good. You don't need me. That hole's gone. She had a hole in her brain, leaking brain fluid. I've seen signs and wonders. But I want to see more signs and wonders. The people that got saved that day, that Peter pre preached his first sermon under the anointing, was amazing. And God wants to use each one of us. He wants to give us a gift. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to. I would never think any different of you if you didn't. You're still on your way to heaven. You still have been saved. That was the misinformation that I also received that I had to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to make it to heaven. No, when Christ came into my life, the Spirit of God began to dwell within me, and I'm now, I have the Spirit. I'm going to heaven. Receiving more of the Spirit is the difference between living and thriving. Operating in my gift to the fullness. And we all want more, right? In everything in life. 
We all want more. Would you stand with me? I'm really not going to end this today. And I I know it's completely different than last week and completely different than some of the other words that we've had from God, but I need to teach this to you. If you know it, great. I need you to be able to teach it then. So if you can't do that, then you need this with me. Because we've got a world outside, well, we've got a world that are lost and dying that need hope. The way you deliver that hope is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's also a world of Christians who are walking in unbelief and walking in misinformation and they're not full of the life that God has for them. And I hope by the end of this four weeks that you understand enough the importance of this. That it's been made clear. And if you make a decision that you're okay, you're content, you're complacent, that's okay. But you will have made an informed decision that you're content and you're complacent with your place with God. I'm not going to allow you to make a misinformed decision uneducated decision about whether you need the Holy Spirit to move in your life. So I'm going to ask you today if you need prayer and you need God to do something specific other than this message for you, I want to pray for you. Otherwise, I want to ask that you and God have a conversation that he would begin to show you things over the next four weeks. That you remain open-minded. Your heart remains open. I hope that you've not been raised in a Pentecostal church and after the end of this thing, you can sit back and say, wow, I at least know what they believe. Because we've done a horrible job of explaining that. People ask me all the time, well, what does that mean? Why, what's the difference between a Pentecostal and a Baptist church? Well, we all love Jesus, to be honest with you. But what does it mean? I want you to know when we finish this. I want you to understand why you attend the, the, what the church believes that you come to to worship in. When you get asked, I want you to be able to explain it. Not in a way that gives anybody a spirit of fear. But in a way that lifts up the name of Jesus and encourages somebody to accept more for their life. I pray, I just, I'm going to pray over us, and I want you just to pray that God would open your heart and your mind, that he would really begin to give you more, more of him, that you would begin to see things you've never seen before, that your mind would be open for understanding, that the revelation of God as you read his word throughout this week would begin to open something up for you, and you would begin to see something you've never seen before. That God would just show you exactly who he is and what he wants for you. What you've never been tapping into. Father, 
I love you, Lord. I thank you for an opportunity you've given us just to slow down for a few weeks and understand exactly who it is that you are and what you want for us. To understand, God, that you didn't create us just to walk through this life living and breathing complacent, Lord, but you created us to thrive in a relationship with you. God, and for most of us, there's more to this life than what we've been living. There's more to a relationship with you than what we've been walking in, God. Lord, for some of us, we've never tapped into the the ministry in the third person of, of who you are. We've never walked and talked with the Holy Spirit. We've never experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. God, and we're opening our hearts and our minds to you. Father, pour into our hearts. Give us something, Lord, that we've never seen before. Something we've never experienced before. Father, keep our heart focused on the mentality that we simply just want more. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, God, we want more of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you touch your people this week. That as we walk throughout this week, that you begin to prick our hearts and touch our hearts and just give us these small tidbits of these moments, these small tidbits of information to prove to us, God, that you are who you say you are, that you're as real as we know you are. God, and you're actively moving. Holy Spirit, move in us this week. Father, I pray that as we walk through these next four weeks, that this family, this body come out stronger than we are going into it. Or that if nothing else, we walk out with an understanding. We can make an informed decision of whether we accept the gift to the next area of our life. Lord, we understand we bust some myths of who and the works of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is. God, we understand that there's more for us. God, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Allow us to walk in that. God, keep us, bring us together again at the appointed time. I pray you bless your people, bless our families, or bless everybody we come in contact with. In Jesus' name. Amen.